Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, welcome to another edition of our Smart Garden show here on 830WCCO. Had I thought ahead, we could have had the whole choir here singing <laughs> Happy Birthday. Oh, but then we thought Julie has better taste than, than us singing. <laughs> Happy birthday, Julie. Thank you. Nice to see you here on your birthday. Yeah. And you brought Sam Bauer yeah, with you. Guru of the green, Lord of the yeah, lawn. Yeah. I heard you've been getting a few lawn characters. <laughs> yes, a lot of yeah, lawn. I'm just going to go and get some coffee because that's going to that's gonna take over. <laughs> well, we mentioned it just before the 8 o'clock uh, uh, news that uh, Sam would be here answering uh, your uh, gu- lawn questions. <laughs> Julie can handle it too, certainly, but it's nice to have uh, your turf guru here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but what what is what is Sam's real title? What's your real title there at the U of M? I'm an extension educator. Yep, okay. same position as as Julie. Um, I deal with with lawn care, and, and, and you uh, you get to see a lot of golf courses. I do see a lot of golf courses. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough life, Denny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, but it, it, again, it's. Uh, we won't take up more time with with these introductions because, as Julie and Sam know, we get a lot of questions, a lot of calls, a lot of texts. But specifically, if you have a lawn question today, uh, Sam is the guy you want to chat with. So send a text at 81807, or you can uh, call the birthday girl at uh, 651-989-9226. That's not sexist, is it? No. No, geez. you don't care about that. Okay, good. Birthday person. Birthday person. I don't know. All right. And doesn't I, bother me. All right. Doesn't bother Carl, though. That's <laughs> no, what we worry about. No. <laughs> no, no, <that's, laughs> Shaking yeah. his head. All yeah, right. he's here today, too. Yeah, welcome. So it's, we got a full studio here this morning. Glad to, glad to see you folks here. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Is it possible over time to crowd out weeds by repeated seeding in the spring and fall? Uh, that's a text that just came it, in. You know, technically, I think it would probably depend on the weed species that you have. But um, if I were to do that, I would do it in the fall mostly. Um, try to do a little aeration and then and then a good overseed. The most important thing would be choosing the right seed mm-hmm. um, and then applying the right management program for that that seed. And that's kind of a survival of the fittest. How thing, do you know right? if you got the right seed? I, in fact, a friend of mine uh, asked me about that. I, I know of a certain local producer of seeds, grass seed that I think is great. Yeah. But I mean, how do you know? A lot of good resources on our on our website. Ah. Um, but if you have full sun areas and you're looking for like the best possible lawn that you can have, you know, Kentucky bluegrass is, is, is a really if good If you have option. full sun. Yeah. Full sun, yep, does not do well in shade. Um, yeah. I don't recommend ryegrass very often because it just doesn't survive our winters very okay. well here. Um, but the fine fescues and, and tall fescue uh, really good options for low maintenance grasses and their shade tolerant. Shade, as well. shade tolerant too. That's yep. good. 
All right, uh, let's see. We've got call. Let's go to to the phones. Linda is calling from Pine City. First up, here. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Morning. I have a question. I was in Iowa and I saw this. What I thought was a gorgeous tree. It's a weeping cherry. Will that grow in Pine City? Well, it would depend on the cultivar. And I think the best thing to do is go to your local garden center and ask them about uh, if they have weeping cherries and then to just look at the zone. I think Pine City Zone 3, correct? I think so. And so uh, so then I think that, uh, yeah, just talk to your garden center. A lot of times garden centers can order in whatever it is you want. So And they would know for sure. And they would know for sure. Yeah, yeah there's, and there's a number of different weeping cherries. So All right. Go for it. Thanks, Linda. Doug is calling from Shoreview. Doug, you're on CCO. Good morning, and uh, two questions. Uh, first, I want to resurrect a lawn under an existing bird feeder, which the lawn has taken a real pasting. And uh, secondly, is there anything to the uh, thing I read about some years ago about um, sunflower seed hulls uh, have a chemical that in- inhibits uh, growth, grass growth? Yeah, I don't know the answer to the sunflower seed. Yeah, whole that, question. they have an. Uh, it's called a leliopathy, and there's a chemical in them that will prevent uh, grass from growing, things from growing, and they get so thick underneath bird feeders. That's the case. So maybe you could take a sod cutter or something like that and strip off the the upper inch or inch and a half and and try to do a renovation like that. Mm. Um, we do have a series of renovation videos actually. We just posted on our website. Mm. Ooh, so, I gotta watch uh, those. Yeah, extension.umn.edu. There's a turf grass management page there. Uh, some great videos on there and the whole conversion or renovation process. It's a great website, extension.umn.edu. We'll repeat that yeah. uh, from time to time. And you this can hour. and you can purchase sunflower seeds without hulls. Mm. So that that would eliminate that that problem, and they're a good snack too. <laughs> <laughs> they're a little more expensive, I have to say, but uh, but they, you can buy those for bird feeders. Wendy and Hutchinson's next on CCO. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Morning. I have a. I just bought, bought a home in Hutchinson, and there's an old garden here that I think they've had veggies and flowers in. There's a few old perennials. Anyway. It's a lot of grass and weeds, and I want to landscape that area, put down black plastic and get plant some trees, bushes, whatever. Is it safe for me to use Roundup first before the black plastic and then wait a few weeks, or what would you recommend? Well, the black plastic is, you know, we call that solarization. That's basically if you leave that on for long enough, that should kill everything that's underneath it. Two weeks usually isn't long enough, um, maybe a month or six weeks. So in my opinion, I guess there'd be really no point to put Roundup on before the plastic. Um, but yeah, you can spray Roundup and it's, it's uh, Roundup does not hang around in the soil for any length of time. So you can plant things as, you know, uh, you can plant grass seed the day after you spray Roundup. You could plant your plants a couple days later, for example. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, and the black plastic, you can also, um, there's a good article from, I think it's from UC Davis and it's on solarization and it talks about um, using actually clear plastic too, which which brings in more of the solar power. So take a look at that. You can just Google that on online. It's a great great uh, article. It has to be really hot though. That's one thing is you got to have it in full sun. I don't think solarization would work in a shady environment necessarily. It probably just doesn't get hot enough. Yeah, but yeah. If you do enough. if you do choose the Roundup, be sure you you choose the original Roundup or the products with glyphosate in them. You do not want these new Roundup for lawns products. 
Uh, there was a text came in earlier that uh, said uh, they missed it if, if we had an answer about uh, keeping clematis in a container and keeping it above ground and treating it as an annual. Is that possible, I guess, is the texter's uh, Well, question. you can treat any any uh, perennial plant as an annual, provided that you understand that by the end of the winter or the end of the summer, you're probably going to lose that plant if you don't plant it. Um, so you can you can keep it in a, a container and grow it. Say if you have a trellis by your deck or something, and grow it on that. Um, in the in the late fall or late summer, you could take it down if it's possible, and uh, or cut it down, and then you could try to plant it at that point in your garden, and then dig it up the next year and repot it up. You could try okay. doing that. So you're kind of overwintering it in the ground, but you'd want to do that in about August, and it may not. It, you know, depending on the clematis, it might be in you know, beautiful bloom at that point. So, but, uh, All right. let's see, before we break, let's go to Ken, who's calling from Apple Valley. Ken, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi. Yes. Uh, last summer I had, um, summer patch on my yard. Uh, too much watering apparently is what, why I got that. Um, now my grass is just, it's slowly coming back, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of thin and those spots and, um, I'm wondering, fertilizer, how often can you fertilize? Is it like, can you do it once a week? Do you have to wait two weeks or what's the time frame in between? Well, uh, the reality of it is, I mean, the frequency of fertilization is less important than the amount that you put down at each time. So in theory, you could fertilize once a week at a very, very low rate and that would just be fine for you. I'd never recommend it, but... It, it all depends on the rate. So if you grab a bag of fertilizer from your big box stores, your garden center, for example, they're usually going to direct to put those down at about a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. Um, I would suggest to do that about three times a year for most lawns. One time in the spring would be you know late late um, late May usually is when we recommend about Memorial Day, and then two times in the fall. Okay. Let's take a quick break here. More show to come here on Smart Garden on CCO. Uh, Welcoming your calls at 651-989-9226. And we're going to grab more text messages, too, at 81807. We finally reached 40 degrees in the Twin Cities, heading for a high later today. If we're lucky, near 54. By the way, By the Yard Outdoor Furniture is a proud sponsor of our Smart Garden show. By the Yard, we'll talk about that great product down near Jordan, Minnesota, in just a moment. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on A3OWCC, brought to us, as I said, by By the Yard Patio Furniture. Uh, Sam and Julie, we have lots of callers and, as usual, lots of texters as well. Let's see who's been waiting. Uh, Denny is calling from Maple Grove, what I think is a lawn question. Go ahead, Denny. Yeah, I've uh, lived here for like 40 years, and I think it due to all the rain, I got quite a bit of moss growing in my grass in my backyard. And then part of it also is went off into my vegetable garden um, where I ran a pH test of 6.5. I went on the computer and uh, went after that, and they're saying to put lime down, okay, to kill the moss. Well, that hurt the grass. Uh, it, it's a great question. So uh, it's pH of 6.5 for your lawn is fantastic. I never see that in the Twin Cities mm. here. We usually have higher pH about 7 to 7.5. I'd say the average is right around 7.5. 
In your case, um, I don't think lime is going to do much for the moss. It's really not much of a pH thing. So I would stay away from the lime um, and just try to think about other reasons of why the moss would be there. So, you know, if you have an irrigation system, and I hear, you know, a lot from a lot of people that moss really, um, uh, you know, went went crazy last year. It uh, really spread around quite a bit. And the reason for that was if you have an irrigation system, but you didn't adjust your irrigation practices last year, you're going to have much more moss than a typical year because last year was the reddest year on record in the Twin Cities. So um, my suggestion would be, you know, after 40 years, I'm sure you have some trees on your property that have matured. So uh, there's a shade issue there. You might have a little bit of compaction. If you have an irrigation system, there's probably too much moisture uh, as well. So you want to aerate. The nice thing about moss is it rakes up really easy, so I usually don't recommend to apply anything to control it. And then think about using some of the shade-tolerant grass species. Okay. The other thing good is that 6.5 to 7.5 is a pretty good range for most vegetables and plants to grow. Mm. So if you're if that's part of your vegetable garden too, I think you're in pretty good shape. I would stay away from lime. 6.5 yeah. is a dream come true. It's go a, ahead. That's Very a good. Good, good that's point. That's a good pH. If you have a question for Julie and uh, Sam, we've got uh, a text number is 81807. Here's a text, uh, Sam. What can we do about crabgrass in the lawn? Should we dig it out, then reseed? The lawn is currently saturated. What's the best time to get after lawn problems? Okay, well, crabgrass is different than quackgrass. Crabgrass is an annual, um, so we really haven't had much crabgrass uh, uh, germinate yet this spring. So if you have a, a real crabgrass problem like from history last year maybe then you would put a preventer down and you could put a crabgrass preventer down this weekend for example if instead of crabgrass you have quackgrass that's a little bit more of a different animal um, and quackgrass is a, a cool season perennial um, so much more difficult to control you're really kind of limited to spot treating the areas with roundup and then reseeding Here's some a text before we get back to the phones. Are any of these lawn and garden products that we spray on our bushes and plants bad for birds? Have well, I think I, I think actually I don't know about um, certainly if the bird got sprayed that would be a bad thing. Um, but I think most of the issue lies in that if you're uh, and we see this with bees in particular is that by eliminating a lot of the flowering weeds we're eliminating food sources and so. Um, I I think if you're if you're concerned about birds, then you should be rethinking your spraying practices. And probably there's a lot of cases where, by changing some of your cultural practices, the way that you garden, uh, can eliminate a lot of these problems that people think they have to spray for. Powdery mildew, for example, is very common. It's a it, you know you'd normally not do you don't do anything about it because it's mostly cosmetic. And uh, but people get excited about it. It changes the way their plants look. But spraying it, my experience with homeowners is they are not spraying kind of people. They they might spray once, but then they kind of forget about it. They get busy. And and by simply spreading your plants apart further when you plant them so that they have more air circulation, that can help. Uh, more light reaches the leaves, that can help. Uh, and also the leaves can dry out after rain or, or watering, that can help. And uh, and then also, it's, you know, in some cases, pre, uh, peonies, for example, have a, are notorious for powdery mildew, and simply taking the time to divide them and then spread those plants out a little bit wider so there's a little bit more space between them can help with uh, reduce that amount of powdery mildew. So there's lots of things you can do aside from spraying. Good. Good point. Back to the phones we go. Victoria is calling from somewhere in Wisconsin. Victoria, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning, and happy 25th birthday to Julie. <laughs> 26. Rock She's on, 26. Victoria. She was 25 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
my question is in regards to wave petunia seedlings. Uh, yes. Some of them are nice and green, and some are taking on a red reddish color, and I'm wondering why that is. Hmm. Have you transplanted them into, are they in like a potting soil or a, or a seeding, like a, a soilless mixture for seeding? I started them in a seed soil, okay. uh, seed starting soil, and then I transplanted them into a potting mix. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, sometimes when leaves are tinged with a red, it, it has to do with a, a nutrient deficiency. Like I'm, I'm sure I'm, trying, I'm thinking a, back phosphorus maybe. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think depending on, you want to be careful with seedlings to fertilize because it might be, it might be hard on their little roots. They're just not developed very much. Um, I would let them grow. I'd let them keep, keep growing. And then um, you might want to do a really dilute New, like a fertilizer, really do like one quarter of the strength and just just put a little bit on there and see if that helps and look for something that has a phosphorus. That's the middle number on the analysis. So, um, But, boy, really, really dilute it down. Okay. Thank you very much, Victoria. Barbara is calling from St. Paul with a question. Uh, Barbara, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have a question about tulips. A friend of mine planted new tulip bulbs last fall, and he's going to wait till they bloom, but then he's going to dig them out and throw them away. And so I said, can I have them? And he said, sure. So can I plant them now, or should I preserve them somehow and plant them in the fall? Well, if, if, you can, if he can dig them up and just immediately turn them over to you and you're ready to plant them, then I would say plant them. Because it's basically you're transplanting them at that point. But if you if he pick if he digs them up and they sit around for a week or so and they wilt and you're you know that's they're not going to look. I, I would say get them in the ground as fast as you can. Here's a tulip text. My tulip bed has beautiful colored bulbs that have not yet opened. Do I need to be concerned about the possible cold and snow? Do I need to cover them? Oh, uh, tulips are pretty pretty adaptable. They're cold season bulb, cold hardy. And I, I think it, it depending on how big the space is. If you just have a couple of clumps and you want to toss a a, a lightweight sheet over them or something, I'd be careful not to use anything heavy because it could break them. But you can do that. But these plants, you know, they're kind of acclimated now to. We've had this back and forth kind of weather, and the only thing I would be concerned about is if they open up nipped by frost. But you might see a little bit of damage on the tips, but nothing that's gonna you're not gonna kill the plants. I know I have to break here momentarily. There's a, a question about sugar ants uh, that are coming into somebody's house. They have a very clean home, they said, but they have these ants coming in with, with all the rain. Uh, on the website, the U of M website, does uh, Mr. Hahn have uh, anything yeah. about ants? Jeff, Jeff Hahn is our extension entomologist. He has a terrific publication about ants. And in fact, there's a posting on our Yard and Garden news blog about ants. And so you could take a look at that. If you go to our extension site, which is extension.umn.edu, click on the garden tab and, and uh, go to yard and garden and, and right on that, scroll down the screen a little bit and you'll see ants under our, our feed from the blog. But there's also a great publication under insects too. And the website again is? Extension.umn.edu. All right, we have another half hour of the show to go. Julie and Sam will be here answering your lawn and garden questions today. Uh, so give us a call, 651-989-9226, or send a text. We have many of those, too, at 81807. If you have a graduation party coming up, or maybe a, a summer family get-together, or maybe you're starting a garage band, whatever the case may be, uh, and you want that beautiful epoxy finish, 
on your four floor in your garage. It really changes so much. I had Ron and his crew. This is a CCO land company I used almost seven years ago. Well, I called them seven years ago, and they had it done in, uh, in July of seven years ago. And it still looks great. It's so easy to clean. And it is, is an, it's another room in your home, as a matter of fact. And when you think of inclement weather and if you're having some kind of get-together and maybe even Thanksgiving, it's, it's, a, it's just another room. And, again, as far as maintenance, it's so easy. And, actually, it's very reasonable. You'd be surprised at how reasonable it is. If you've always wanted that epoxy finish, I urge you to give Ron a call. He'll come to your home, give you a free quote, explain how the process works. And I'll give you a website as well. He does book up quickly. So I urge you to call. Call this weekend, 952-473-8600. Again, 952-473-8600. If you didn't get a chance to write that down, get on the web at greatgaragefloors4u.com. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, sponsored by our good friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We'll talk about that great uh, CCO Land Company coming up in just a moment. Uh, Denny Long here, Julie Weisenhorn, birthday girl, along with Sam Bauer, the turf <laughs> guru, both for the U of M, and we appreciate their expertise every week uh, helping you out, our listeners. And you guys, we've got a lot of callers, nothing that you haven't seen before, and a lot of texters. So we'll keep you busy for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. Uh, Jerry in Plymouth, we've talked about it earlier, but Jerry, why don't you pose your question, and we'll see if we can get it answered. Thank you. Yes, I uh, have bears patches in my yard, and moss has grown over the bare stuff. What do I do? Well, the nice thing about moss is, I mean, it, it's it's very shallow-rooted, right? So you can even just kick it with your shoe, and you'll see that it all kind of comes up, and you could you get a hard-tooth rake and, and try to rake it up um, and then overseed in, in that area. Sometimes you want to combine the overseeding with, like, an aeration or something, but usually the spring of the year is not the best time to be doing a lot of this because that's when we have our crabgrass wanting to germinate and everything. So usually, like, lawn renovations are best conducted in the fall, but... Um, you know, the moss is there because it's not a great environment for the grass, so we need to figure out why that is. Um, maybe it's compaction, maybe shade, you know, uh, might be too much water. A lot of times it's too much water. Um, most lawns don't need to be on every other day type of irrigation program. Uh, so just something to think about there. Um, you shouldn't need any products, but if you do, um, there are some ferrous sulfate-based products like Scott's Moss X or something like that. Um, and then uh, uh, Quicksilver is another product that will control moss also. Hmm. Okay. A lot of moss questions we get. Yeah. That was a wet year last year. Texter says, I had a, uh, excuse me, a box elder tree removed and want to plant a magnolia tree in its place. What, if any, precautions should I take? Uh, no precautions. I think that uh, if you've removed the stump, you can certainly uh, go ahead and dig a, a hole. And, and, and you want a big, you want to, when you go to buy your, Magnolia, and there's a number of different magnolias that you can purchase. So do a little research on that. And then we have a great publication on planting trees on our extension website. And I would recommend taking a look at that because there's some misconceptions about digging a super deep hole for a tree. And actually, you're going to, deep, you're going to dig a wide hole, not a deep hole. So take a look at that publication. It's under our Trees and Shrubs uh, section. And the extension site is extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab and go to Yard and Garden and Trees and Shrubs. Here's a text that will make Julie and Sam's day. What do I apply to get rid of Creeping Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to me. 
Um, so I get questions all day long, and my and usually and fifty percent of them are creeping Charlie questions. Um, so most people call me and they want the magic solution, right? They want the jug off of the shelf solution, and sure. my response to that usually is, you know, ninety percent of the problems I see cannot be solved by that jug that comes off of the shelf. So again, just like the moss, you need to think of why the creeping Charlie is there. Usually, it's going to be shaded, excessive moisture, and just not a great environment for grass at all. So you need to get creative with the grass species that you choose, ones that will tolerate that type of environment uh, and try to crowd out that creeping Charlie. If you want the jug solution off of the shelf, you're looking for something with triclopyr in it. And usually um, for, for most homeowners, the, the easiest one to find would be uh, we'd be gone for clover and chickweed. Um, uh, clover, We'd be gone for clover, chickweed, and oxalis. It has a gray cap and a purple label. Okay. The other thing about creeping Charlie to remember is it's a mint. And mints, if you've ever grown mints, are, are pretty aggressive plants, even when you want them there. And uh, and so it spreads by rhizomes on the top, on the surface of the grass. So it, it might be starting in the shade, and then it creeps out into other areas of your lawn pretty rapidly. Kind of pull it out. It's kind of stringy, right? Yeah, and any little piece that, of root that you leave in there is going to germinate back into another plant, wow, which is right. part of the reason it's so hard to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. and this triclopyr will work fairly well for it, but then your challenge is to try to get some good right. grass there yes, uh, established the after that. Yep. Yeah, don't, don't wait a month. <laughs> Back to the phones we go. Chris in Minneapolis has been awaiting. Chris, you're on CCO. Happy birthday, Julie. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have these horrible thistles in my yard. They, I can't remember. They're, they start with a B. That's all I know. They look like uh, big, uh, kind of like rhubarb leaves. Uh, oh, burdock. Yes, burdock. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That stuff is horrible. <laughs> and we Doug, we I've had them for years. They came a bird or somehow mm-hmm. they got Yeah, here. they seed a lot. Yeah, and the big tap root, they're very hard to dig out. I did buy some um, poison, supposedly the only thing that works on them, but I rethought using it because we have dogs, cats. I'm worried about the bees, the birds. So what do I do, just dig them out? Is there any organic stuff you can use to... Do it instead. We dug a bunch out, but we know it's going to be an ongoing battle all, you know, summer. Yeah, and, and actually it is. You, you're exactly right. It's an ongoing battle with those plants. Those are, burdock is a biennial. So the first year it, it puts a lot of energy into producing a really strong root system and then the foliage. And then the next year is when it blooms. And that's when you get those burrs that get stuck on your dog's fur and and birds carry them around, and the dog carries them around. They spread around, and that's why it recedes so rapidly. And that tap root is difficult to get up completely. And any little piece of that root, just like with the creeping Charlie, is going to regerminate into and grow back, grow into another plant. So that's, I think the, I think you're doing the right thing. Um, you can try spraying it with a broadleaf herbicide, like a, a glyphosate type uh, product. And uh, Sam, do you have any other options for a broad, huge? I, there really aren't any organic that's, options. I think yeah, glyphosate there is your best yeah. your best option there. So and that's a that's the the product that's in the Roundup product. And so um so be careful when you spray it because you're going to kill everything, you know, going to kill anything that it touches. And what I usually have done in the past is when it when it's a fairly good sized weed or a big patch is to protect the plants that are surrounding that area is to put a box or a piece of cardboard or some kind of a mechanical barrier between the, the plant that you want to get rid of and the plants that you want to keep and then gen, then carefully target that weed and just 
you know, just follow the instructions and and uh, and apply it properly. But that's going to be your best bet. Is you just got to keep on it and and digging it up is going to be your uh, you know, certainly one thing to do, but then if you really get frustrated or if it gets to be out of hand, you can spray. Texter says this, there are light green grass circles in the lawn. They're expanding in circles. Do you know what that is, Sam? I would say chances are, um, you know, don't don't quote me on this, but I, I'd say more times than not, it's going to be creeping bent grass ah. uh, in that situation. And creeping bent grass can come in as a weed. The seed is really small. I mean, it's like as small as dandelion seed. So it blows around and everything. Um it looks fantastic on a golf putting green when it's mowed at an eighth of an inch, but in a home lawn at three inches, it doesn't doesn't do so well. Um, usually, you're going to find it in low areas that collect moisture. It seems to outcompete bluegrass mm. where we have excessive moisture in lawns. Um, there really aren't any selective controls for it, but if it is bent grass, the nice thing about that is it kind of stays in its own patches. It won't be mixed throughout the lawn like quack oh, grasses. Okay. No, right. So you can just spot treat those individual areas and then over overseed them as well. Got you. Back to the phones we go. Terry is calling from uh, Plymouth. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a pear tree that we planted a few years ago, and I noticed this spring that the rabbits had completely girdled the trunk of it. Oh, and it's, yeah. It's mm. leafing out, and there's flowers. Am I being overly optimistic, thinking it could survive? Well, when the plant, when those animals girdle that, when they eat through that initial bark, and they do like those thin-barked, sweet sweet bark trees like apples and pears, is that they actually interrupt the vascular system of the plant, so the plant can't take up the water and root, water and nutrients from the roots, and uh, it, it, it really, it's kind of like it just cuts it off. And so you may see it this year. It might have enough uh, energy in its root system to Go ahead and, and leaf out and bloom this year, but it's going to probably go downhill after that. So um, you can, you know, you can baby it, but you just want to keep an eye on it. Be realistic about, you know, it might be something you want to take out and put in something new. I don't know how old the tree is, but yeah, girdling is tough. And and so anytime you have those thin trees, thin bark trees in the winter, you want to be sure that you fence for rabbits. All right, very good. Thanks for the call. Uh, 651-989-9226 or send a text at 81807. Uh, Ellen's calling from Woodbury. Ellen, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have the typical arborvitae by my uh, walkway, the kind they put in when they build your house. But yeah. I do have one that's really nice. However, the grass is like a foot tall in there, and I have to go in there and pull up those branches and dig it out. And like within a week or two later, it's growing back again. How do I control that grass? Mulch. Mulching it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, You when you get it pulled out, then um, you would want to put down a pretty good, probably three to four inches of a wood mulch. And that will help to keep that grass under control. I would think that three inches of mulch should, yeah. should smother it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then be sure that that mulch is is pulled away from the trunk of the tree. You don't want to pile it up along that tree along the trunk, but just pull it out so that you can kind of see that you've got a you know six inches or so around that tree around the trunk of the tree. You know, we have to take a break, but we'll have okay. more more show to come with Julie and Sam here on our Smart Garden Show six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Uh, send a text at 81807. We mentioned a sponsor of the show, and we're very happy to have them as a sponsor by the Yard Patio Furniture. Coming up for Mother's Day, you know what Mom really wants for Mother's Day, as much as she likes all the cards and flowers and 
maybe home, homemade crafts, things like that. So what she really would like to do is spend some time with you. The gifts really are just the frosting on the cake. Coming up, and it doesn't start now till next week. And I want to talk about their spring planter promotion. Uh, May 1st is Monday already. So it doesn't start this weekend. It starts this coming week. Uh, spend seven fifty or more. $750 more, you're going to receive a stylish 14-inch planter for free while the supplies last. These elegant maintenance-free planters are made from the same recycled plastic as the furniture that we've told you about so many years. They come in, by the way, eight classic colors, several uh, two-tone options to match your furniture as as well. No liner is needed either, and the holes on the bottom provide all of that uh, drainage. Amazing, versatile, and safe for all food plants as well. And if you're in the market for patio furniture, you need to check out By the Art. Mom will love more furniture from By the Art for sure. Uh, visit the huge showroom. I urge you to do that. So many great ideas there. They're just down 169 in Jordan. Very quick drive. And uh, keep in mind... This coming week, when you spend 750 or more, you're going to get a free 14-inch planter through Mother's Day while those supplies last. Visit ByTheYard.net or give them a call. You can do it now, 952-492-2777 or ByTheYard.net. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at Play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. In studio uh, with us is Julie Weisenhorn and Sam Bauer. We're talking, again, lawns and gardens. And uh, th- this has got to be, uh, we mentioned it earlier, in fact, off the air, you guys, that uh, this cool weather and wet weather here, I mean, I, I don't think my lawn has looked so good in years <laughs> right now, yeah. anyway. No, that's right. It's a great time. They of love year. those cool. The, the grasses love that the cool oh, weather. Don't the they? bluegrass and fescues that they just love. Yeah, the yeah. Cooler weather. Yeah, the, it's it's kind of holding the crabgrass back, which is nice as yes. well. Yes. The All one right. one thing to be concerned about with cool wet weather is that you can sometimes have more bacterial disease issues, okay. leaf spot and uh, uh, scab and things like that. That kind of so there could be a trade a trade off. Yeah, there. there's yeah, a trade off. Yeah, there's okay. always a trade off. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go back to the phones before we grab some more text messages. Tim is calling from Spring Lake Park. Tim, you're on CCO. Yeah, I bought a red maple tree last year from Home Depot, and I planted it. But this year, it's not leaping up. How long do I let it uh, be before I dig it up and take it back for a refund? I would take it back because I think if it hasn't, a lot of these trees have leafed out already. And if it hasn't leafed out, there's something going on. So I would take it back. Okay. Thank you. Yep, you okay, bet. Thank you. I don't think you wanted that answer, but but that, that's the best advice. 651-989-9226. Who's been waiting there? Brenda is calling from uh, Plymouth. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Last, last fall, we had a large section of bushes removed and then a couple of maples and an evergreen. So now we are left with huge areas of just dirt and it's been recommended that we hydro seed, and I, I would like a little bit more information about that. Well, you certainly could hydro seed. Um, the first thing you're going to want to be sure of is that all of the stumps were ground really well and that most of the wood chips and the debris were removed from that. You can't um, – I've seen a lot of homeowners where they'll bury type of organic matter and wood in their lawn and expect the issue to just be buried by grass, and it, it always comes back to haunt you. So be sure that everything is – um, you know, the, the way you want it before actually doing the seeding. Um, 
I, you could go either way. So hydro seeding is just they mix um, some type of mulch. Usually it's like wood type of fiber um, and seed into a, a, a big big liquid tank, and then they'll spray it over your lawn. So that's a mixture of seed, and then the mulch acts as an erosion control, and it also helps to hold moisture. Um, really wouldn't be much different if you were to just, you know, uh, take a drop seeder and apply the seed, put some fertilizer down, and then you could roll an erosion control blanket over top of that as well. Um, you can buy those blankets from your big box stores or or specialty um, uh, type of stores also. So not a lot uh, difference there between those two practices. I like the hydro seed a lot for slopes or for areas that are hard to reach with the seeder because you can just spray the mix on an area and, and usually it'll grow in pretty well. Here's a text that we get from time to time or a call. Uh, my lawn has hard bumps all over it in the back and front yard. It's very uncomfortable to walk on. Do you have any idea what could be causing this? Majority of the bumpy lawn issues that I see are related to either night crawlers or earthworms. That's a lot of them. Um, some people don't 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 quite believe it right away, but when you uh, step on a lump and you look down and kind of peel the grass back a little bit, there's usually a little mound of of soil there, and that's going to be from the earthworms or night crawlers. Usually a sign of a good healthy soil. Um, not a lot you can do to really correct that issue. Overwatering can cause the issue to be worse if it's really bad. You can try to get a power rake and try to level off some of those earthworm mounds, um, but that's going to chew your grass up pretty good also, so you want to be sure to do a good overseed after that. There's an awful lot about overwatering. Yes. <laughs> you've, you've mentioned that a number mm-hmm. of times in a lot of these lawn problems. Well, for homeowners with irrigation systems, it's easy to overwater, yeah. right? Because I mean, you just hit the on switch or just leave it yeah. on. And, and well, and we had it. so much rain last year. Right. We've had rain now this spring. and. Yeah. Wow. That's a passionate topic for me. I see more I know. lawn issues due to overwatering. Interesting. For those that have irrigation. Than the opposite. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Texter says we have two concrete urns in the front of the house underneath a king crimson maple tree that totally shades them. Are there any bright colored flowers that you know of that will grow there? Well, uh, hmm. <laughs> let me think a minute. Um I'm, 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 boy, I'm drawing a blank, but there, yeah, there are definitely, I mean, right now you could put pansies in there for a seasonal bloom. They, they tolerate this, these cold temperatures. You can buy them in multiple colors and sizes and, uh, and that would make a, a good planting probably for another month or so. And then as the weather warms up, um, some people will, one trend that I've seen is actually people using perennials in containers. And uh, and then treating so treating those perennials as annuals and some of the uh, hookahs would be terrific. These are coral bells and they come in all different colors. The flowers can be anywhere from a white to a bright deep red. They're small, um, pendulous little bell flowers. But the real bang for your buck on these plants is actually the foliage. You could also plant. Um, this is not so much for flowers, but for the foliage color, and that's coleus. Coleus will tolerate. Uh, quite um, nicely. Uh, the uh, shade, also tuberous begonias are terrific. They have huge uh, flowers of different colors. And then also uh, you could look at um, some of the impatience and you could you could look at the bounce impatience. They are resistant to the downy mildew that we've had problems with with the other um, the more traditional impatience. Final text and then we got to run. Is it too late to spread crabgrass preventer? No, it's not too late. The cold temperatures have really held the crabgrass back quite a bit. So, I mean, I'm looking at the extended forecast. It might be in the 60s or mid-60s by next Thursday. 
Um, there's still plenty of time. A little bit of crabgrass popping up here and there, but most of it is held back based on the cooler temperatures. So uh, the final, there's kind of a follow-up. When's the best time for a pre-emergent, generally speaking? Well, it's usually once our soil temperatures get consistently into the 55-degree range. So you can take your kitchen thermometer and go oh, okay. and stick it in your soil and kind of monitor that. Um, there's a great website that I suggest people to go to. It's called GDD Tracker. .net. That's Growing Degree Day Tracker. And let's give the university uh, uh, website before ex- we fly. Uh, extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. Happy birthday. Thank Happy you. Birthday, yeah. Sam, it's great to see yeah. you again. Thanks for letting me back yes, on. Yes, yes, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have to take a break here, and uh, stay tuned next for our Home Improvement Show coming up next hour here on CCO. You can get a jump on lawn weed control this year with Weed Beater Ultra from Bonide. Weed Beater Alter, that is the ultimate lawn weed control. It controls more than 200 hard-to-kill weeds right down to the roots with just one easy application. Uh, what kind of weeds? Dandelions, Creeping Charlie, Chickweed, Clover are no match for Weed Beater Ultra. And by the way, it's safe for lawns, and you're going to see results as, as little as uh, 24 hours. And unlike other brands that require temps of 65 degrees or higher to work, Weed Beater Ultra works fast in temperatures as low as 45 degrees. It can be applied from early spring to late fall. Bonide makes it. Family made right here in America. Any good garden center will carry Bonide products. Let me give you some examples. Ace Home uh, and Hardware, Bergen's Greenhouse, and Spike's Feed and Seed, located in Loretto and in Delano. In the Twin Cities right now, it's 40. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.